If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another expert interview on the podcast. Today, we are talking about toxic relationships. I interviewed Dr. Heidi Brocky, who is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. So after spending 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship, she left that relationship and ended up quitting her 24-year career in healthcare to become a toxic relationship specialist. And she has walked tons of people out of toxic relationships. She coaches people one-on-one. She hosts a podcast called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. And Today, we talk all about toxic relationships. What is a toxic relationship? I think she gives a really great definition of what that looks like. She talks about this whole concept of coming out of a toxic relationship, and she uses the term toxic identity theft, which is something I can so deeply relate to. So yeah, we talk about how to overcome this idea of people-pleasing to get out of a relationship like that. We talk about the four main motivators for someone who is a toxic personality in a relationship and how almost every single toxic person is driven by those four motivators. We talk about how to rebuild your life and your identity after coming out of a toxic relationship. And we also talk about how to really equip yourself for future relationships to make sure that you become more aware of your patterns, a toxic person's pattern, so you can spot it more quickly in the beginning. And I think she's doing such important work and I'm really grateful that she came on. And And I think another thing to note too is It doesn't even necessarily just remain within romantic relationships. There can be toxic family relationships, toxic friendships, toxic work situations. So it is very important to to bring awareness to this and to know what to look for. And I think a lot of the episode is really just about normalizing the experience. You know, I've had the opportunity to listen to so many people's stories who are coming out of toxic relationships and Not to say that situations aren't unique, but it's really the same story over and over again. And I think if we were to, you know, talk about this more, I think less and less people would feel alone in their situations and also feel shame about their situations. Because, again, unfortunately, this is a very normal thing that we live with. So I'm so grateful that Heidi came on and I can't wait for you to listen too. Welcome, Dr. Heidi Brocky, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So happy to have you on today to talk about toxic relationships. Well, I guess I should say not happy to talk about toxic relationships, right. but I'm glad you're here to share your expertise. I know nobody wants to talk about yeah. that. But it's important. And I was sharing with you before we started. It's something that when I started this platform, I really want to bring awareness to toxic relationships. So could you just start by saying, like, what is the definition of a toxic relationship? Yeah. And the first thing I'll say just to the listeners who don't already know me. So my name is Dr. Heidi. I mean, if you Google it, you'll find me pretty quickly, but 
Just to be clear, I'm not a licensed mental health professional. I work with counselors and therapists very closely. We refer back and forth quite a bit. But for those who are listening, I just want you to know my doctorate is in chiropractic. I was a chiropractic acupuncturist for 25 years. And my experience in my own unhealthy relationship is what has now brought me into this career. I retired from chiropractic full-time during COVID and I do this now full-time from home. So just don't take anything that I'm saying and replace it with any type of treatment your mental health professional is giving you. I think the definition of toxic is very broad. So I love that you asked that first. When I started this business, it was about seven years ago, and I chose the word toxic before toxic was all over social media. Toxic is not a diagnosis. Toxic is an adjective that describes any relationship in the status that it's in that may be unhealthy for you mentally, physically, or emotionally. And I think when we think, especially your listeners, we think about toxic relationships, everybody's mind goes immediately to the intimate relationship. But toxic relationships can be in friendships, they can be in social circles, they can be in coworker situations, they can be in family, you know, family member situations, and also in the intimate relationship. So it being unhealthy for you, since it's not a diagnosis, it's not necessarily based on the toxic person. You actually get to decide who in your life is healthy for you and who in your life is not. So it's not that somebody that's toxic to me may not be toxic to Kendra. And usually why that is, is because the personalities differ from one person to the next. Yeah. That was actually a question I wanted to ask you was like, you hear people say like that relationship was so toxic for me, but it might not be for someone else. And so I think we all walk through life with our own past experiences. Like we have so much going on. And if you bring two people with all their shared experiences, beliefs, insecurities, traumas, all that stuff and put them together, some people are not going to mix. Right. And in that saying too, we all have the potential to be toxic. We all carry the toxic traits, but relationship to be, you know, emotionally abusive or continually mentally unhealthy. It's a repetitive cyclic cycle that's used for certain purposes. So, you know, there is definitions within it and there is things to look for within it. But as a whole, the toxic relationship can be from anything from the bully on the playground all the way up to the things we read about in the news. Can you expound a little bit more on you said, like, we all have the toxic traits within us. Can you give some examples of what some toxic traits might We all have the ability to criticize. Yeah. We all have the ability to blame. We all have the ability to cross people's boundaries. You know, we all have the ability to instill fear in other people. But, you know, we'll talk a little bit further about this later, but it's what motivates the toxic personality to use those traits, which is different from somebody who is having a bad day and is having a negative attitude for a day. Yeah. You know, so it's the motivation behind the behavior that actually defines the toxicity for certain people within a relationship. And do you think, you know, saying, you know, I'm sure like I can name probably a day last week where I had some very toxic traits towards my husband. So, you know, I definitely understand where that's coming from when it comes to that cyclical toxicity in a relationship. Is it something that the other person is doing consciously, do you think? Or is it something where they're just acting as they see fit for the day? Okay. So remember right before we started talking, I said, if you ask me a question, yeah. there's, there might be questions that have 17 layers of groundwork that have to go with them before I can answer it. That's actually one of them. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. And in answer to that, the toxic personality is motivated by completely different things than the emotionally based personality. So the toxic personality is in a relationship for one reason, while the emotional based person is in it for another reason. And the reason it ends up toxic is because the relationship goals are different. So we can get back to that question, whether it's conscious or not, because if I was asked one question more than any other question in my career, it's that exact one. So we'll recircle to that. Yeah. So a little bit about me, not that everybody wants to know my story, but 
I usually start this by saying everybody is probably prone to stepping into toxic relationships, but there are certain personalities who have a little bit more difficulty clarifying that that's what it is and, and removing themselves from it. I grew up on in a little, very tight-knit Christian community on a dairy farm in Bozeman, Montana. And so, you know, I went to school with the same people every day. I saw the same people in church every Sunday. I literally saw the same people for the first 18 years of my life. So when I left, I had this perception that everybody in the world was like the people in the community. Obviously, now looking back with a different perspective, you know, it, it's not exactly all perfect. Like it felt like I was growing up. Right. Yeah. But I did feel like people were there to protect you and people have your best interest in mind. And why would anybody want to hurt you or use you or manipulate you or anything like that? So I was very blind in going out into the world and I'm super thankful for my upbringing, but it, it does explain one of the reasons that people would step into a toxic relationship. Okay. So I left Montana to go to grad school. And that is where I actually met my former husband. And this, anytime you ask anybody to tell their toxic relationship story, it's like, okay, well, you better get a drink and put your feet up because (laughs) this is going to be three days. So I try to keep it super short. It was something that was very strange in the beginning because I did not feel calm around him from the minute, the minute we were introduced. I had just kind of an anxious feeling. I did not want to go out with him on the first date, but, you know, after him asking 92 times, okay, fine. I don't want to be the mean person. I don't want to be the bad person. Fine. Okay. And then the second date, and it was the same thing. And I would feel guilty or or whatever. And long story short, within two years, I had a baby. I was married. I owned a practice with him. I had another baby. We had property together. And about that fast, everything in my life was tied to this person because of my personality choices. And one, not being able to make decisions based on what's best for me. Two, not wanting to be the bad person. And I am a very emotionally driven person. I went into healthcare. I would never have gone into healthcare if I wasn't the fixer, the supporter, the caregiver, the, you know, the cheerleader. And so I ended up in this relationship, marriage, always feeling like something was wrong. But I am also very adaptive. I put a goal out there. I get it. So when somebody says you should do better at this or you should try harder at this, okay, fine, I'll do it. And what I found through this 14-year relationship was that I was constantly on this treadmill seeking approval. You know, if you would just do this, our relationship would be better. If you just wouldn't do that, our relationship would better would be better. You know, if you would just be a better wife, then I wouldn't be talking to somebody else. Or if you were a better doctor, we'd be making more money or, you know. And so I would always be just, I would see it as a challenge because I just wanted to be good enough. So, okay, I jump on this treadmill and here I would go, you know, and when you're continually focusing on trying to please somebody else or get somebody else's approval, we don't have the time or the energy to pay attention to our life. And as my relationship progressed, the control and the power and those type of things were getting worse. But being in a toxic relationship is like walking into a room that stinks. If you stay in the room, the smell goes away. That does not mean the room doesn't stink. That just means that your body has desensitized you to that smell. So you don't smell it anymore. And you would never realize how bad it smelled until you are outside in the fresh air. So by the time I started really realizing this is not good, this is not good for my kids. And people would comment on, I think you might be in an abusive relationship. My response was, no, this is normal. This happens every day. It's not abusive because like, this is our normal life. You know, when people start not understanding that this is your normal life, you start getting the cross-eyed look like, are you kidding me? This happens every day. So you quit talking about it. Yeah. And so you become very silent and you're basically in this, trying to figure out what it is, trying to, you know, am I supposed to leave this? Is it bad enough? Maybe it's not that bad because it was okay on Tuesday and then on Wednesday it's bad. And what I always say is logically, I could look at this relationship and go, I don't think this relationship is healthy for me. But because I am an emotional based person, as soon as my emotions got involved, it would cloud my logic. And I don't want to be the bad person. And that's going to break up my kid's family. And yeah, but if I leave, then who's going to take care of him? So I continually stayed 
when my emotions would get involved. And long story short, uh, when I finally ran away because it was getting so bad that I was fighting for both my physical health and my mental health, I actually signed everything over to him. I signed the practice over to him. I signed the property over to him. And I initially left my kids. There was, I felt at the time that there was no way that I could get out and recover and get healthy and get back to being the example that my kids needed if I stayed there. And so I ended up leaving my kids, which he kept them from me for five years. So I missed my girl's entire teenage years, which was absolutely the hardest time in my life. But it was also the time where I had to figure out who I was because not even realizing it, I had completely lost my identity. I couldn't make decisions. I couldn't order off a menu. I had blonde hair. For those of you who can't see me, I have long black hair and he always wanted to marry a blonde. So through 14 years for me to try and be good enough, I was highlighting and highlighting and highlighting. You know, I was dressing the way he wanted me to dress. I had convinced myself I probably couldn't run a business. I probably wasn't a very good doctor. I I didn't know how to pick my friends. So in that period of time without my girls, I really had to figure out who I was. And for the listeners who have come out of even divorces or relationships that maybe aren't that bad, the, the biggest struggle for me was, yeah, leaving was hard. And yeah, being in that relationship was hard. But me figuring out who I really was, was even though it was very rewarding, was one of the hardest journeys that I had had to go through. Um, yeah. And so, so basically why I do what I do now is I didn't have anybody that understood it when I was in it. People wanted to help, but unless you've been through it, I don't think you really understand it. So my mission is to be the person that I needed when I was going through it. So the people out there that aren't talking about it don't feel like they have to go through it themselves. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when people say, why did you start breakup Essie?" I say, I, I started it first for myself. Like I started what I needed at, you know, a certain point in my life. And that's such a, I mean, it's such a powerful story, especially now that you're able to share that with other people. And, and I think what I hear is that, you know, from people in in my messages is the, who am I outside of Mm -hmm. the relationship? And I think, I mean, I've been in relationships that were not toxic, where I just lost myself in the relationship. And then add on top of that, someone who basically hijacks and takes complete control of your life. And in order for you to stay in it, you have to keep losing parts of yourself Mm -hmm. in order to basically just be able to like function throughout the day. I think that I gave it this term, but I don't know if this is the proper term. I realized what I was doing. I was very good at compartmentalizing. Mm, When I was at the office, I was a doctor. When I had my girls, I was a mom. When I was at home, I was a wife. You know, here I was a friend. And when I found myself sitting in a room by myself and nobody was telling me what hat I was supposed to be wearing, I had no idea who I was. Yeah. You know, so, you know, upon my education of teaching people how to spot a toxic relationship, how to get out of a toxic relationship, it's also about the the healing from a toxic relationship and the awareness that that you might be the personality that attracts them. So we have to make sure that you understand how to watch out for, you know, that particular type of personality. Yes. And I feel like those are like kind of three stages of, you know, how do you get out of one? How do you heal from one? And how do you prevent it moving forward? If we go back to getting out of one, because I think you raised a really important point and I'm probably oversimplifying this, but this idea of being a people pleaser, caregiver, you know, someone that is probably more ready than others to drop their own needs to make other people happy, not wanting to be the bad guy. And it reminds me of when I was in my toxic relationship, same thing. I was the people pleaser. The only thing that got me out of it was kind of this, like comparing two people pleasing things. I had too much to drink one night and I told my entire family what the relationship really looked like. I'd never said it out loud. And for me, them all knowing what was actually going on, that was like outweighed my trying to people, please staying in the relationship, which, you know, Ideally, I would be able to overcome that whole people pleasing thing entirely. But could you talk a little bit about that? How does someone break their need to not be the bad guy? And I think this applies to like 
if you have a toxic parental relationship, if you have a toxic co-working situation, like how do you overcome that need to not be the bad guy, people, please people to take care of yourself? So the first thing I always say is the people pleaser thing has gotten a very negative connotation. Okay. If you're a people pleaser, it really just means that you are emotionally driven. You are fulfilled in your life when you're helping people, when you're supporting people, when you're able to keep the peace, when you're able to take care of people. So just because you're a people pleaser doesn't mean you have to quit being a people pleaser. Where where we run into trouble is we distribute our fabulous gift of our personality to the wrong people who are taking advantage of it. So for those of you who are listening that feel like you're a people pleaser, that's totally fine. You were made like that. We just have to be a lot more picky where you're spreading the love. I love that perspective. And, and this kind of takes me back to, we had talked to about this a little bit before we started recording. The beginning of any relationship is fun. It's adventurous. You're, you're learning about people. You know, it's all butterflies and rainbows and all this whatever. And at some point at the beginning of the relationship, we express our relationship goals. Now, your emotionally driven person is going to have goals in their life like companionship, partnership, emotional support, intimacy. I want to build a life together. I want to be a team. I want to raise a family together. Because your emotionally driven person or your if you're going to call the people pleasing personality isn't going to step into a relationship for anything but that. And when you run into a toxic personality, they will convince you in the beginning that they love everything about you. And that's exactly what I want. My goals are exactly the same. I want a partner. I want a companion. I want all of this. This is, you know, and so then we're thinking, where did you come from? I've been waiting for you my whole life because I haven't been able to find somebody with the same relationship goals. Okay. So it looks like you're headed down this relationship path and you're headed towards the same goals. Now, the toxic personality will pretend that their goals are the same as yours because the toxic personality is not emotionally driven. They are driven by one thing and one thing only, and that is security in themselves. And if you were at the beginning of a relationship and you listed the compassion or the companionship, the you know partnership, and you listed all this, and they would say, oh, well, I'm just in this for security in myself, we would say thanks, but no thanks. So the toxic personality leads us to believe in the beginning that our relationship goals are the same. Hmm. Yeah. So we think we are focused and we remember the person from the beginning. Some people call it the love bombing stage. Okay. During this stage, what the toxic personality is doing is they are learning your secrets. They're learning your securities and insecurities. They're learning your strengths and weaknesses. They're learning how to push your buttons. They're learning how your emotions work. And most people that I work with will say everything was good up until And they can almost pinpoint a shift in that relationship. Okay. When we talk about the toxic personality and that they're seeking security, Kidra, I'm going to call you out on something. Can you remember a time in your life when you felt super secure in your life? Like my life is going the direction I want it. Things are going good. What did it look like? I mean, I think it was the career was going good. Relationships were good, but most, I think mostly I felt like I had a freedom to act like I've had a safety and a freedom and a security to to be myself mm-hmm. where I wasn't being dictated to act based on my boss or my boyfriend or my friends. There was like a security in who I was. Yes. So it's usually when the career is going well, you have a great friend group, you've been in the gym three times that week, you know, you've lost five pounds, you look great. It's the things we are putting into our own life that make us feel secure in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. The toxic personality does not have the ability to do that. It doesn't matter how much they put into their own life. They cannot put enough in so that they feel secure in themselves. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter how great a shape they're in. It doesn't matter what position they hold in the company. It doesn't matter how many followers they have on social media. It's never going to be enough to, to fulfill that need of security. So what they have to do is they strategically place people in their life that can supply them with the things that they need to feel secure. Interesting. And some of the things that they need to feel during the day for security in themselves is control over other people, power over other people, attention from other people, admiration, 
So if you were a toxic personality and you were wanting control, power, attention, and admiration from somebody, what type of personality would you target? An emotionally driven one. Oh, yeah. the kind, caring, giving, loving, problem solver, peacekeeper, fire putter outer, right? Yeah. So what we don't realize as emotionally driven people, we are actually targets for the toxic personality because they are seeking the things they need to feel secure. And we are the personality that's going to hand it right to them. I mean, I think this is fair to say too, that we're also getting something out of it because we're, we have a job. Yes. And so that's why in the beginning, we don't notice it Yeah, because we like supporting and we like fixing. And, you know, we have to talk really quick about the reason these people are insecure. Okay. It might be a traumatic upbringing. It might be an addiction. It might be a diagnosis. You know, we might have a narcissistic personality disorder, or we might have bipolar, but at the end of the day, what we have to realize is if they're an adult and they have a reason to be insecure in themselves, they are responsible for that. But what the toxic personality does is they put the people in their life and make the people in their life responsible for their insecurity. And isn't it true that they also kind of give them a task that will never actually be complete? Like you can never make someone like that fully happy based on, like you can't love them out of it. You can't be like a good enough partner to snap them out of that. And I think that's what a lot of people end up doing is like, why isn't my love enough? Why can't I be enough? It's just, it's, it's a losable game. Right. But if you think about what they need, they need the control, the power, the attention, or the admiration. So if you are continually falling short, your attention is always on them because we really just want approval. We really just yeah. want to be accepted. So if we fall short, then they'll just say, well, if you try a little harder, if you do a little better, or if you just change this, or if you would just be this way, and we jump right on that treadmill of, okay, I'll be good enough. Okay, where is our attention when we are on that treadmill of, I promise I'll prove to you I'm going to be good enough? It's all on them. It's all on them. Yeah. So of course, because they need attention, they're never really going to approve of us. If we ever reach what they demanded, they've already changed the rules or moved the goalposts because that continually keeps our attention on them. It also takes away our attention on what's actually going on within Mm -hmm. us. So we don't realize like we're miserable, we're like physically ill, like all these things that staying in a toxic relationship can do to us. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you talk about getting out and moving forward, one of the things that people have to realize, I call it toxic identity theft. Now, when I left my former relationship, I could not even order off of a menu. Okay. And it, it was not because he was telling me what to order or he was ordering for me. It was because when I would order, he would say, how come you're having chicken? Or don't you think that's too expensive? And so what he was doing is he was instilling self-doubt in the decisions that I was making for myself as, as an adult. So what I would do is let's see what he's ordering. Let's see how much it costs. Let's see. And then I would end up with something that I didn't even want to eat. And I'm a grown woman. And now I've got something I don't even want to eat because I'm more worried about making the decision that I think he is not going to criticize than making the decision based on what is best for me. And so when you try to leave these relationships or you're out of them and you're trying to move forward, there's so much self-doubt that decision-making can be very, very paralyzing. You know, they lead you to believe that, that if you make the wrong decision, a firing squad is going to show up. Yeah. So we just don't make one. Yeah. I remember anytime I went shopping for clothes, I used to send like every single picture to him to like thumbs up, thumbs down. And I remember Mm -hmm. the first few times shopping after I like did not know how to, I didn't know how to dress. I like honestly did not know how to dress myself because it was dictated to me Mm -hmm. for so long. Yeah. So let's take that from the control power, the attention, the admiration that they're seeking. They're getting one. They're getting control because now they're telling a grown woman how to dress and they feel powerful because you're continually looking at them to, is this good enough? Is this good enough? Am I meeting your approval? And your attention is on them now. Every time you're shopping, you're not asking yourself, what do I want to wear? You're asking yourself, what do I think he thinks I should wear? That's why the theft thing is the toxic identity theft, because they steal that from you. I was also laughing. I mean, not laughing, but kind of laughing in the beginning because I did the same thing with the blonde. (laughs) Yeah. He always wanted a blonde. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going blonde. And, you know, I also have darker hair, but 
but yeah, it is a very wild thing. You know, and we should mention too, that starts way at the beginning that we would never notice because in the beginning, we aren't aware that we are never going to meet their approval. So, oh, we just want to make them happy because we're in love with this person or, you know, so yeah, we'll change that because what's hair color. And we don't, you know, it's such a slow drip that we don't realize that it's, you know, it's actually a controlling type tactic that's being used. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I think one thing that we probably need to talk about in terms of being able to walk away from this is, you know, if you say this isn't working and then the other person will either apologize profusely, go back to how it was in the beginning for a little while, promise change, all these things. And I hear that a lot. Like they keep saying, I'm sorry. They keep saying that they're going to go to therapy, that they're going to change. Like, do you think people can change like that? Like, is that ever a possibility where if someone promises I will change or is it just something where you're going to be on a hamster wheel for the rest of your life if you stay? Okay. So in the programs that I teach and that I take people through, I teach 21 character traits of the toxic person. And it's the character traits that they use to achieve the control, the power, the attention and the admiration. So they feel secure. Okay. Never getting a sincere apology is one of the character traits that I teach. Okay, it's not that you'll never get an apology, but you're never gonna get an apology unless there's strings attached. You will get an apology that sounds like, I'm sorry I got mad, but you pushed my buttons. Okay, and I'm sorry, but you is not an apology. That is making you take responsibility for their behavior. Now, the apology you're talking about, that is when we've decided to end the relationship or we've taken a big step and all of a sudden, everything that you have told them about for the last five years that they didn't acknowledge, now they're sorry for it, you know, and they're going to go to counseling and they promise we'll go on vacations and I'll, I'll spend more money on you and we can go on a date night. And, and you get all of this big apology that you really felt like they weren't hearing you. Okay. There's never an apology unless there's strings attached. And remember the goals in the relationship are different. Yeah. It doesn't, at this point, have anything to do with the relationship. It has everything to do with they are feeling insecure because they are feeling the loss of control over you. So they are going to do whatever they have to do and say whatever they have to say to regain that feeling of control, which makes them feel secure. So we call it the hoovering phase. They are going to, they, you might see seven personalities during this. They'll be super nice. And if that doesn't work, then they'll be mean. And if that doesn't work, then the threats will come. And if that doesn't work, they'll try and make you jealous. And then they're the victim. And then all of a sudden they want to renew their vows or, 
And that is them in a desperate situation because they're feeling so insecure because they're feeling the loss of control and they're feeling the loss of your emotion. So of course, that's just another tactic. Now, one other thing that I should say on this with the toxic personality, they're emotionally abusive. And people hear that term all the time, but people don't necessarily understand what it is. I think people think that emotional abuse is verbal abuse, meaning name calling and yelling. And emotional abuse is is when someone uses your emotions to get what they need. So if they can say or do something to make you happy, to make you sad, to make you upset, to make you feel guilty, to make you frustrated, those are all emotions that we should be in control of. But the minute somebody says something very negative or derogatory to you, we get upset and we cry. Okay, they are actually seeking that emotional reaction because if all they have to do is say something to get an emotional reaction out of you, they know they're in control of your emotions and that makes them feel very secure. So when you decide to leave, you're going to hear things like, I cannot believe you're breaking up the family or you're going to throw away everything we've built. Okay, that is them saying something to make you feel guilty. And immediately we don't want to feel guilty. So They know if we feel guilty, we will give them whatever they want. So we get rid of the feeling of guilt. That is emotional abuse. That's them using your emotion of guilt to get what they need. Because I remember I left six times and he knew very well that if he could make me feel guilty, I would come back. And when I would feel guilty about breaking up the family, I would think, oh, you know, he's right. I feel so bad. Okay, fine. I never once stopped and said, hey, wait. Do I have anything to feel guilty about? Because you've treated me horribly for seven years and I was solid in my decision to leave. And all he had to say was, I can't believe you're breaking up the family. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then all of that stuff and the the stuff, the way he treated me immediately went under the rug because I didn't want that feeling of guilt. And I didn't want to be the bad person. And I didn't want to be the one that was blamed for breaking up the marriage when there was nothing for me to feel guilty about. And that's, that's where emotional abuse comes in. Yeah. It's almost like I've never, I mean, it's a really good definition because I've never really been able to, to grasp around it, but it's almost like emotional abuse would be like emotional manipulation and emotional control mm-hmm. where they can, I mean, it's like, they know exactly what buttons to push. They, all that stuff, you disclose them in the beginning when you guys are being all vulnerable, that stuff comes back up to, you know, to be you used know, against too, you. One of the things that's very, very typical in a toxic relationship is people will describe it as a roller coaster. They're very unpredictable and they're very inconsistent. So, you know, they come out of the bedroom in the morning and they pat you on the butt and they give you a kiss on the cheek and they tell you to have a good day. And you're like, oh, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Okay. Where is our attention when they do that? I mean, it's on, it's on them because all yeah. of a sudden they're being nice. Yeah. And you're kind of relieved because it's going to be a good day. And, you know, great. Well, Wednesday morning they come out and they're mad and you didn't load the dishwasher. Right. And how come you didn't get this done? And your hair looks like, you know, crap or what? Okay. Where's your attention when they get up like that? Still on them. It's still on them. They don't care if it's positive or negative attention, but when they can keep that inconsistency and that unpredictability, we have to constantly try to stay one step ahead of them. So our focus is always on what they're saying and doing, and we never have time to look at what's motivating it. And basically That's what I teach. Once you understand how to see the world through the eyes of the toxic person, Hmm. you will realize they use the same playbook every day. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to so many people who have been in toxic relationships and it is the same. I mean, it's obviously different circumstances. It's the same story. Like it's like they all got the same book to read on like how to do this. Yep. And, you know, I work with family law attorneys. I work with a lot of people because I am so good at one understanding what they're seeking, but also predicting their next move. Yeah. You know, and it works great for people that I am, I'm kind of divorce coaching because it's difficult to go through a divorce with a toxic person. The reason that is once you leave, the only thing they have to control you with is the divorce process. So you're guaranteed a difficult divorce process, but we continually have to remember, but their motivation behind it is exact, you know, it's exactly the same. Can you say those four things again? So it's control, admiration, attention, and power. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know, and I, this, again, everything that I teach is from my experience and from what I've experienced. You know, I've walked hundreds of people out of these type of things and onto their own lives. 
So the stuff that I say is not necessarily scientific. It's just, it just is what it is. And like you said, they all operate the same because they're all driven by, they use the same phrases even. Yeah. You know, people will send me emails and can you read this? I read the first sentence and the last sentence because I already know what's in the middle. Yeah. You know, it's, they're very, very similar. So it's actually encouraging for the people who are emotionally driven, because once you understand how to protect yourself from one, you know how to handle all of them. Yeah. I definitely want to get to once you're coming out of that, how, cause I know a lot of people are live in fear of like, I'm scared to get into another relationship because what if it's the same, but I want to just touch real quick on what are some steps people can take to overcome that toxic identity theft? Like let's use, you know, your example, you find yourself in a restaurant with your friends and you like, you go blank. What are some ways that you can start being able to order for yourself, shop for yourself, choose your own hair color? Okay. So what I normally instruct my clients to do is, okay, they know they're going out to eat and they're already having anxiety at breakfast because they know they're going to have to go out to eat in order off of a menu. Okay. So we pre-plan decide right now, if you're having beef or if you're having chicken or if you're having a salad. And then decide if you're having wine, if you're having a cocktail, or if you're having water. So then when you get there, you already know you're going to order a salad and you already know you're going to order a glass of wine. So then you only have to pick from three salads and order their house red. So you don't, you don't have to overthink it. Okay. You know, some of the other stuff, we start with baby steps because really what you have to teach people is that it doesn't really matter what you order because there's people out there that don't care. And the only reason the toxic personality cared was so that they felt like they could control. Well, I'll send some people who have a very difficult time making decisions. I'll send them to the grocery store with their list. And I'll just tell them, you have to get everything on your list, but today you have to buy a different brand than you normally buy. So if you always buy Jif peanut butter, you have to come home with Peter Pan. Yeah, And it will almost make people like paralyzed in the grocery store trying to decide, okay, I can't buy Jif, so now what do I have to buy? And my whole point in that is if they get the Peter Pan home and they don't like it, okay, who cares? Pitch it in the garbage and go back and get Jif. Yeah. And nothing happened. Like yeah. you start with really baby steps. Putting yourself back out there is a big deal because you feel like, how am I going to ever trust anybody? Okay. My goal when I work with somebody privately is I don't want you to have to trust one person. The only person you have to trust is you. So yeah. you have to know yourself solidly and you have to, Remind yourself that you're emotionally based. So you need to be able to spot these people. So when you're out there, the only person you have to trust is you and follow through on making the decision that's best for you. Because I mean, I used to be the one who walked into a room and hoped somebody'd like me. Now I walk into a room and I hope there's somebody in there I'm going to like. And if, if I don't, who cares? If I never see you again, so what? Yeah. But that was not me 13 years ago. I hope they like me. I'll just change. So I hope I fit in. What do they think of me? You know, all of that. I'm over that. Those aren't my people. Yeah. I'm the one that would invite everybody in my inner circle. Yes. I'll support you. I'll help you. Just everybody come in. And I spent the last 14 years kicking them out. And you don't have to kick everybody out of your life, but you are able to decide at what level they're in your life so that the relationship with them can be healthy. And some people you just can't interact emotionally with. Yeah. I remember I actually had, this was actually kind of recently, you know, going through not romantic relationships, but just some differing relationships. And my mentor literally had me draw like different rings of like my Mm -hmm. circles and like, who's in what circle, not every, like you should maybe have one or two people in like the, I mean, you need to be in the middle. That's what she said. You were in the middle. And then your next inner circle shouldn't be more than two people. Mm -hmm. And that was the same with me. I wanted everyone to love me at all times. And it's, it's exhausting. Like if you give yourself that job of you need to be liked by every single person, it's exhausting. Yeah. And, and I think you'll never going on that. I think too, we are so used to making everybody a priority in front of us. You have to be the number one priority, but people through our lives have told us that we're selfish when we do that. Mm-hmm. So it's very out of our character to put ourselves first. But once you learn how to do that, everything really falls into place because You can't really take care of anybody else unless you're taking care of yourself. And that reminds me of that quote of like, the only people that are upset by boundaries are the people that it takes something away from. And so if you put yourself say, Hey, I can't, you know, if I have plans with a friend, 
I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. Hey, I can't make it today. I need to do something for myself. I need to take a nap. Honestly, becoming a mom recently, that has been a huge thing for me. And the only people that would object to that are the people that don't have my best interests at heart right. anyway. So if you okay. say, I need this to feel safe, I need this to feel secure. I need this to feel loved. Mm-hmm. And you know, people say, sorry, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. And, and I'm going to like, like push. It, yeah. If they don't like it. Oh, well, you know, you saying no, there's something with that too, because people feel guilty saying no. So I always tell my clients, well, you don't have to say no, you know, because we do feel like we're being mean until you get mm-hmm. used to saying no. So don't say no, just say my schedule's already full that day. Or, yeah. you know, I have a prior commitment and then it's none of their business what your prior commitment is, but then you feel better because you didn't actually say no. And then over time, I mean, me now, if it's not hell yes to me, it's no at this point, but that wasn't me. I was baking cookies in the middle of the night because I didn't want this, you know, those room mothers to be mad that I wasn't contributing, even though I, you know, I don't, somebody else can bake their cookies now, you know, but it takes a lot. The healing part for me was, it was hard, but it was the most gratifying because, because the listeners who have come out of relationships, we tend to look at them and go, oh my gosh, that was such a waste of time. Or I wish I never married them or, and in reality, you know, we're all struggling to get back to be the person we were before we met them. And in reality, everything happens exactly like it's supposed to. So whatever you went through was building the blocks for who you are supposed to be today. Because I kept thinking, I just want to get back to the girl I was before. Oh my goodness. I am nowhere near that girl. Yeah. And you too, you would know where be who you are today if you wouldn't have gone through what you've been through. So those of you who are listening, I know it's a struggle and I know that there's regret and I know there's, but there will be a time when you look back and you'll go, oh, I get it. Yeah. You know, and I say that all the time about my former relationship. I remember sitting there going, I really feel like I'm a good person. How did I end up in this? Well, now I know. Okay. I was every, all the whole time I thought I was struggling. I was in training because I would have had zero idea that I was going to be doing this for a living. So now yeah. looking back, I would do it all again to be able to, to do this job. It's the best job I've ever had. And I know for me, like when someone, I was always so independent growing up and then having someone kind of take away my independence, it has made me so much more protective over like what I allow in my life. And there's so many things I wouldn't have without that. And I want to really quickly go back to what you were saying about telling people to go to the grocery store. I think it's really important to stress that point that like those, the baby steps like that, because I think a lot of people probably experience that where they would go and feel total paralysis and would honestly probably more feel a sense of shame. Like, why can't I do something as simple as go to the grocery store and to say, this is normal. This is completely normal when you're coming out of a relationship like that. And it is worth taking a beat and focusing on that and just making that be your task instead of trying to tackle like your self-esteem and all of these things in, in a week, start with something super simple, like going to a restaurant and ordering or going to the store and buying. I think too, you know, people that see us in these, I'm sure you heard this. We hear statements from those who are trying, bless them, who are trying to support us, but don't really understand it. We hear statements like, you just need to love yourself more. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thank you for that. Yeah. You know, or one day at a time. And you're like, yeah, that's what I've been doing for 15 years. So when we think of those big things and nobody's telling us where to start with the baby steps to love ourselves more, it's like, we don't know where to start. So we just, so we just don't do anything. Yeah. And remembering that sometimes, so, you know, my listener, I say this on feel like every episode, but I've been sober for nine years And when I first got sober, the very first thing a sponsor told me was, she said, I don't care what else you do. You're going to make your bed every morning. And that's it. And I'm like, that's not going to keep me sober, you know, but it, it was like that first thing is an accomplishment. It's it's starting my morning with an accomplishment. It's making my space feel like it's worth something, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, it made no sense to me in the beginning. And I think a lot of the stuff when it comes to learning how to rediscover yourself and trust yourself is going to feel like it's not going to be this like big burning bush thing where you're going to be do it once and be like, Oh my God, I feel like a different person. It's just these little things 
Yeah. And now when you get up and don't make your bed, you feel like your whole day is disheveled. Totally. You're so proud when you make your bed, you know, jumping back to the part that where you said you felt like you lost your independence. Yeah. A healthy relationship, which a lot of times we miss this perspective, a healthy relationship is two independent people that work well together. It is not two people that are dependent on each other. And, you know, when you're in love, yes, you put the other person first and all, and all of that, but I've been remarried for 10 years now and we are as independent as we can get. We have our own work. We have our own lives. We have our own hobbies, but at the same time, he is the best friend I've ever had. Totally. That's me and my husband. Yeah. We're like two completely independent, but you know, I think interdependent, like we're like interdependent where I don't know if that's the correct term, but, and maybe we'll kind of end on this, but it took me a while to readjust that that was okay. I remember I asked my husband, this was before we got married, but I asked him, I said, I said, are you obsessed with me? And he goes, no. And I was like, what you're like, because I was so used to obsession, chaos, Mm -hmm. fighting, like, you know, it wasn't good things that I was feeling, but I was feeling a lot of things. And so it took me a while to adjust to a sane, chaos-free relationship. And that is an excellent point, especially that you have people coming out. The toxic personality is very addicted to chaos and drama because when they're stirring up drama and chaos, the attention is on them. So us people trying to live within that get very used to waiting for the other shoe to drop. We get very used to the chaos. So when you get out and you're in a peaceful relationship, it's very unpeaceful to be in a peaceful relationship because you're constantly feeling like something should be going on. And we will even sabotage those relationships if we feel like, you know, there's just nothing going on. We'll pick fights. Yeah. We'll do things to, to cause problems. And so those are all normal things when you've come out of a toxic relationship. But what we think is we think, okay, good. We're out of it. And we flip the switch and everything's great. Yeah. There's so much stuff. There's triggers, there's post-traumatic, there's all sorts of stuff. But when you're aware of it, it is one day at a time. I talk to myself all the time because that's how I work through my triggers. You know, reminding myself, this isn't where you are now. Your body's just reacting how it was trained to react and Mm -hmm. you're safe and you're fine. And you will agree with me because if, if you are in a healthy relationship now, you know, your current has definitely paid for what your former has done a time or two, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This just happened recently and it's been 10 years since I've been out of that. But me and my husband were watching something about like a toxic and abusive relationship. And he said, are you OK watching this? And, you know, I and even just him asking and saying, like, are you okay? Made me like feel better about watching it. Cause it was like, okay, I'm cared for. I'm not in that position, but yes, he's has definitely paid, but he's been so patient. And, you know, I will say, Hey, when you did this, it reminded me of this and, you know, he'll that's amazing. Like it's not, but I think another part is the awareness of me. It's not him. I can't put it all on him, but for him to have some empathy and understanding around that is really important. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening to this, you know, I'm sure Kendra can agree with me. We stay in bad relationships because we have heard things like relationships are work, Mm -hmm. you know, so we do all this work and all work, 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 relationships are work. And not that my relationship now is perfect. We have disagreements. We don't have fights. We literally will communicate through a disagreement without yelling. And so I can honestly say, I don't feel like even though he had to deal with me and my my first leaving a toxic, the first three years were very difficult for him. I don't felt like I've worked in this relationship. One person can't be doing all the work in a relationship. So like if you feel in a relationship that you're the only person causing all of the issues, that you're the only person responsible for getting help, for doing the work, like that's not okay. That's not how it works. If there is an issue in the relationship, it should be both people communicating about it, both people talking about it, both people seeking help around it. It's never all one person. Right. And I think too, a lot of times we don't realize that there is people out there that actually want to communicate. Yeah. You know, I was a trained fighter by the time I left my former marriage. So when any little thing would come up, I was ready to fight. And it took me a long time to realize, no, no, we can actually just calmly talk about this. Yeah. 
you know, so for the people that are trying to heal and trying to recover, wherever you are is probably exactly normal for where you are. Yeah. It's the having some forward motion. So you feel like you're accomplishing something. So if, if you guys aren't making your bed in the morning, yeah, start making your bed in the morning. Yeah. And if, you know, go to a new restaurant this week or practice, you know, if, if your friends are saying like, where should we go to dinner? Practice throwing a suggestion. I remember I had like so much paralysis around picking music. If I was like, you know, when you're on a road trip and one person's the DJ, I would do everything possible to not have to do that. Cause I didn't want to have to be the one that made a decision. So start making decisions, little yeah. decisions for yourself. And the reason we avoid them is because of the criticism. So when you yeah. start making them and you're not getting crit- criticism, you know, I have a pillow in my office. I can see it from here. It says courage. Courage is the heart to act in spite of fear, not in absence of it. So these little fears, once you step over them, you're going to go, oh, well, that wasn't so scary. And push yourself to step over them because the minute you step over them, you won't have that same feeling about that same thing again. Yeah. Yeah. But like you only have to go on, you know, one first, like first, first date after, you know, coming out of that relationship. If you're afraid to start dating again, it's. The first one will be the scariest. The first time you, you know, go a certain place will be the scariest and then it gets easier. You know, just because I know that this, the listeners, a lot of your listeners are either out or coming out. You know, if you're worried about dating, write a job description. Because if you were going to hire somebody to be your assistant in your business, you would hire the best resume that fit the job description, right? So when you're dating, you treat every date like a job interview. And if they don't fit your job description, you don't hire them. We don't hire the seventh best resume. We hire the best one because we want a successful business and we want it to grow. Yet we will hire the seventh best resume when it comes to our personal relationships, because maybe we can fix them and maybe we can mold it into something. No, this is the rest of your life. This is serious. Write yourself a job description so you know what you're looking for. Otherwise, we change ourselves to become what they need. And then ta-da, we both have blonde hair. I love that. That is a huge takeaway from this episode. I would love, could you, could we end by you sharing how people can find you and work with you if you're taking on new clients? Yes, I'm always taking on new clients. Okay. So I do have a podcast, which the only reason I started the podcast was I knew at some point I had to start telling my story. So I thought a podcast, I could tell it to people that I don't know. And the podcast has, I mean, I would have never thought it would do what it did. So the podcast is called, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. And it is on all the major platforms. You can find it. You can also find it through my website, which is coachingwithdrheidi.com. I do have a support group on Facebook. It's a private support group. It is for people who are, are seeking validation or trying to get out of the confusion. It is called Strength Within. Okay. And so you can, you can, I will link all those things in the show notes and I'm not surprised all that stuff is doing, you know, doing so well, cause it is something that is so widespread. And if you're listening, like you're, you know, the fact that I've have had multiple people come on talking about this means yeah. like it's very widespread and you're not alone. It's a very common yeah. thing, unfortunately. Um, and like she mentioned, I do work with private clients. I do education. I will help write an exit plan. I don't advertise exit plans because everybody's situation is different and it can very, very easily escalate into something that's dangerous. So the exit plans obviously are, are private clients, but help help people go through the divorces. I help people recover. I help. So, you know, there's a spot on my website to schedule a session. If you don't even know what your goal is, sometimes just getting some education on it it will push you, you know, to make a decision. You are not going to leave until you are ready to leave. So for those of you, if there is people out there that have not left yet, educate yourself so that you can make the best decision for yourself. Education is power. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, you know, not only coming on the podcast, but just everything that you're doing and utilizing your story to help so many people. It's such important work. And I'm so glad you came on and and shared with us. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. 
to join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.